All right. On June 7th, 2021, Paul and Maggie Murdaugh were murdered. The person who called it in was Alex Murdaugh. This is our deep dive into the Alex Murdaugh case regarding Paul and Maggie Murdaugh. Some of my content has mention of extreme violence, sexual assault, and or other triggering content. Discretion is advised. All right, we're back. We're back. <laughs> For more Murdao Mystery, it's Saturday, but we're going to call it Monday. Um, <laughs> Murdao Mystery Monday. Yeah, mainly. We're recording something. on a Sunday, or Saturday. It feels like Sunday. We're probably going to post this on a Tuesday. But we're going to call it Monday because it rhymes with Murdoch. Right. Which All right. Well, I'm sorry for that. That was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So what I would like to say first is please uh, check out our previous video of the summary. It's going to help this make a lot more sense. Um, it's an overview. It was two episodes ago. Right in between, I just did a, a video that was just a one-off, um, but very important. But before that was our overview. Go check that out. Yeah. Who was, um, I apologize. Was it was a Phoenix. That was Phoenix in between Cauldron. Phoenix Cauldron. Yeah. yeah. So go check out Phoenix Cauldron too. But uh, that one's not going to tie into this one. The summary that we did on the Murdoch case is going to tie into this one. And there's going to be a lot of references to that summary because it's really hard to do this deep dive without the backstory of all the other cases that Alex Alec Murdaugh was involved in so and is involved in. So there's going to be a lot of callbacks to that. So please check that out first. Uh, I'll try to summarize what he, um, what each part is and how it pertains to other cases as we get there, but it's much better on the summary. So are you ready? Yes, before... I do want to say um, we are almost at our listens for Spotify to get basically ambassador ads. So if you have not um, went and followed us on Spotify, please do so. That helps us out. Um, also, we're really close on YouTube as well. Um, the, Pause. <laughs> just open the door. Oh, I thought somebody was coming in. Ghost. There's a ghost. There's a ghost. <laughs> Um, go ahead and close it though. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Okay. So maybe we should not be filming this. Uh, I mean, the ghost might want to subscribe. Thank you, ghost. Thank you, ghost. I don't know how you got a YouTube account and a Spotify account, but cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that, so we're shook. We're yeah, we're back. <laughs> our our ghost just opened up the door, uh-huh. and that was weird. It's happened before. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, please go subscribe, like, share. It just helps us out. Um, but let's just jump into it. Yeah, and what she was saying before the ghost so rudely interrupted, you jerk. Um, yeah. We, you're saying we're close on ambassador ads, which is basically we're just close on Spotify follows and listens, right? Yep. And then we're also 
super close on YouTube monetization. Mm-hmm. We are at 800 subscribers. So you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, if any of your friends like true crime, feel free to send us out. That would be cool. Cause we're, we're close there too. Yep. And uh, if we hit those and start actually having some monetization come in, we might be able to do more of these. Right. We'll so. be able to do more. We'll be able to have better quality. We might even be able to have merch someday. We'll see. Mm-hmm. That's been a goal of ours for a while. Yep. So, all right. We can jump into it. Yes. All right. So, as I said in the leadoff, uh, the case that was ongoing over these past few weeks was for Alec Murdoch. Um, he was accused of killing his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. Um, that case is now actually wrapped up. Um, so we're going to go through some of the case notes from things that happened in the case. We'll go through some timelines because the timelines in this case is what gets really messy. Um, there, what's really interesting to me about this is there is a ton of technology related, um, data that, that puts out markers for the timeline. And so that's that was insanely interesting to me because I work in the tech field. So for me, it's it's uh, really interesting to see all the things that have data points on them. So uh, in this case, there is a forensics expert that literally traced um, Alex's phone, Alex's records, the GPS, and the car. It literally had every time the car booted up, it had every time, when I say booted up, I mean like the on-screen, uh, like your thing that pops up for the navigation and music and all that. Mm-hmm. Had every every time the car sped up, every time it, it uh, decelerated, accelerated, the miles per hour. Um, that is so interesting. It had steps that he walked because you're all your step tracking apps, right? Like uh, apps. Uh, like Google Fit and things like that that are just on your phone. Yeah, that's tracking how many steps you take and not tracking where you're taking the steps necessarily, but at least in this case it wasn't, but it is telling you how many steps you're taking between each time when you have your phone on you. So literally the records in this case were everything, including what Paul ate that night. Just mind-blowing to me through text because they pull back the text of like his mom say, cause they, I even now know that Maggie had a pedicure before she was getting wow. a foot massage okay. before she got home. So they went into such detail mm-hmm. that you literally know. Uh, and she was, um, again, this is a callback to the previous episode, but they, they had a, a housekeeper made however you would like to, refer to it and the Murdoch's are really wealthy um several generations of wealth lawyers um have a legal firm in South Carolina um just a lot of a lot of money so they can afford things like having a maid and so Maggie basically told Paul yeah she made this for you to eat Mm. so there's literally text going back and forth between Maggie and Paul um, there's, you know, calls that Alec made that day. There are calls that Paul made that day. They literally have their Snapchats, what time they did Snapchats. Um, 
what time they did just iMessages or FaceTime. It's crazy how much detail they got off of the phones and the cars in this case. Technology, man. Everybody's cars, too. Like, they got it off Maggie's car, too, because she was driving back from her foot massage. So, like, they have what time she got home because she was in a different car than Alec. Mm. So, and Alec, another thing that's important to remember in this, he um, did work for his law firm, was a lawyer. He got disbarred in this whole thing um, for a totally different reason, for basically... Stealing money from his clients, or that's what was alleged. And he got kicked out of his own law firm, basically. His own family's law firm. And um, so this guy, though, knows his way around the law, is my point. of He knows what's legal and what's illegal. And he knows what can be used in court and what can't be used in court. So keep that in mind along this whole process. This guy knows what he's doing or at least knows more than an average person would all right so let's get into timeline so what i want to start out with <clears throat> oh sorry did you have something no okay sorry i was just clearing my throat gotcha um so the original timeline this came from back way before where we're even on the netflix documentary um and if you there's a 48 hours in the netflix documentary and a few other documentaries out there i would recommend going and watching those because they have a lot of details too but i think our summary covers most of those details as well so on alex's original timeline uh he said that he was home and woke up from a nap at 7:31 he said Maggie and Paul was not there. So the case goes way further in depth in terms of tracking his movements, but this was important to note from Paul's story, or from sorry, from Alex's story. Um at 8.05, he texts Maggie and Paul saying that he's going to check on his mom and dad. Uh his dad was in bad health. Um so and that, that was at 8.22? That was at 8.05. 8.05. Okay. And at 10.20, he says that he gets back home and discovers the scene. Um, Maggie was shot multiple times in the chest and back. Paul is shot in the chest once and in the neck. Uh, wait, sorry. It says he was shot once in the chest, once in the neck, and once in the head. Which I think that is... We'll get into that when we get into the weapons used, but I, I think there's kind of an explanation for that. Um, so an important note here, too, when it comes to, as most of us know, when it comes to crime scenes, the less you touch a crime scene, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so 911 told Alec when he called that he was not supposed to touch the the bodies or anything. And he said, well, I already did because I was already checking their pulse, um, checking to see if they were alive. So he claimed on the 911 call that he had already touched the bodies and that um, even though they had said, don't do that, it was too late. He had already done it. But that's going to come back 
important in this case that he said once he called 911 that he had already checked the bodies. So keep that in the back of your mind here. Okay. Um, so on the body cam footage even, uh, Alex said that Paul had been receiving threats over the boating accident. So he is already kind of trying to point... Um, Try and point the investigation in a different way than him, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying, I'm sure that's what it is. He was getting, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was getting threats over the boating accident. Um, again, boating accident, I would go back to the summary that we did. Uh, we're going to do a whole nother deep dive into the boating accident. But uh, basically, summary there is Paul Murdoch was driving a boat drunk allegedly uh, not allegedly that he was drunk, but he was driving a, allegedly that he was the driver of the boat mm-hmm. and he got into a boat accident, which um, killed um, Mallory. I'm spacing on her last name. I think I put her name on there, um, but he, he killed Mallory, one of their friends and I apologize that I'm not remembering Mallory's name, we can always put it up on the screen or mm-hmm. again, check the summary too because I made sure to put her last name in it. Um, but uh, that boating accident was a lot of people were saying that's Paul's fault. And so according to Alec, he had been receiving a lot of death threats over it. So that's why that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, go a little further down here. Uh, So, this was kind of interesting to me, too. Um, So, Anthony, the girlfriend, or the boyfriend of um, Mallory, um, Mallory Beach. I got it here in my notes. Mallory Beach. Sorry about that. Um, So, Mallory Beach, her boyfriend's name was Anthony, and the police immediately suspected him as one of the suspects uh, because of the boating accident because of what Alec was saying, because of the fact that he had motive and the fact that people thought, why wouldn't he blame Paul for his. Right. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you blame, why wouldn't he blame Paul for killing his girlfriend? Um, But if you watch the documentary, I don't think, I think Anthony, while he doesn't seem like he really cares much for Paul or will never have the same relationship, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. I think he also is not the kind of person that's sitting there going, well, I'm going to get vengeance for it. Right. He's like, do I think you did something horrible and did something stupid? Yeah. But do I think he deserves to die for it? Not really. Right. So I, I think with what Anthony has been through, and this is just opinion, but I just don't feel like Anthony was in that headspace even during the documentary. Yeah, I he just he so just either. didn't seem like it. I think he wanted her back, but I, I yeah, mean, rightfully so. I think he but was would have yeah. changed that day if he could have. Right, absolutely. Which makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Um, this was interesting to me, and this is from the doc. So Mallory's dad, um, <clears throat> his dad was very, very vengeful in his um interviews Mm -hmm. and he basically 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was, he was angry, angry. And I, yeah, I get it. He lost his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so the first thing was when they called him, he was surprised. He said to the police, I'm surprised you didn't contact me sooner. Yeah. Like he was like, I was waiting for the call when I heard that Paul died. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he even quoted a line from the old Testament that said an eye for an eye. Right. So that was interesting to me because he's almost like you talk about motive and you talk about people's body languages. Anthony is motive. Anthony had motive and so did Mallory's dad. But then you see their body languages and Anthony, I'm like, "Mm, I don't think Anthony wanted anything to do with that. I think he wanted to try to move past it. Mm -hmm. Mallory's dad I think that dude was still angry. I don't blame him at right. all. That doesn't mean he did anything. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at the two side by side, to me, I would be more suspicious of Mallory's dad than I would be of of Anthony. But given Alec's history, I think I'd be more suspicious over Alec over both of them. Yeah. I almost with her dad, it almost seemed like he when he got that call, he was like, I didn't do it, but I wish I did. Yeah, you know? Right. <laughs> Which I don't blame. And if them two came together and they plotted to kill them <laughs> and then frame Alec, whoo. <laughs> yeah. Like I ain't even mad about it really. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but I don't think they did. There, I really don't. There's even one, um, one <clears throat> other person too who could have uh, been part of that, and I'm trying to get over to that. Um, I believe here it was. Um, sorry for that. That but, was like that would be a good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would be a very good movie. Um, I'm trying to figure out that. I'm sorry, I'm using a different laptop here, so getting to my notes is um, a little more difficult um see what her name is because there's three m's so when i do the boat case that's going to be that's going to be fun there's there's... mallory morgan and if you remember it you're doing better than me i will have that in the boat case yeah it is and i can put it on the screen i don't remember it this is actually morgan um so morgan name by the way (laughs) morgan uh was asked by law enforcement for a hair sample so she was in um and she was friends with mallory she Mm -hmm. also had a really bad relationship with paul she was paul's Mm ex-girlfriend so they obviously thought she had some motive and she actually said when they were getting hair samples from her don't don't skip looking at alec Right. So she was already pointing at Alec too, uh-huh. even when they first in it. And she, I guess, gave the hair samples and everything, um, and everything was fine there. So, um, so yeah, Anthony Morgan and Mallory's dad were all at least contacted by the police as suspects. Mm-hmm. So they didn't Which at go. At least they're not just zeroing in on somebody. Right. They did check. Yeah. Um, but they landed on Alec. Um. I have here in my notes that basically the law enforcement told the public not to be worried because it was weird that these two murders happened, but law enforcement was almost immediately like, don't worry. Like there's not not a serial killer, not a serial killer. There's no murderer that's like out here doing things, you know, 
at random. Mm -hmm. Like this was a, a targeted thing where nobody else in the public needs to worry. We already kind of know who we're looking at. Right. So that was interesting to me though, because that to me was like, they were like, yeah, so we got an idea who this probably was. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were just had it narrowed down to the point where they're like, it's just somebody who didn't like Paul. Right. But they were pretty sure already. And it was kind of weird for them to just be like, don't worry. Cause you know, if something did happen, after they'd be like, okay, sorry, you actually should have been worrying. My right, bad. right. So that's that's weird for me that they came out that early before they even had anybody in custody. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so with the now we're at the point where what Alex gave as his alibi. Mm. So Alex said that at nine fifteen he was visiting his parents. Um, the they, they should were, have camera footage, shouldn't they? They. Um, like at the, at the, I want to say farm, but the, the Murdaugh residence. Well, that too, but like at the facility, his parents are at. Uh, so I don't think they're at a facility. I think oh, they're okay. at their home. home, like their own home. Gotcha. Okay. But I think they have like uh, a lot of times you will have, especially when you have money, you'll have somebody that hospice, actually hospice or... that'll take care of you. So I think that, that was more of the situation. They don't really okay. go into detail about that, but they did say that he went to their house. So okay. I do think it was kind of an in-home care situation. Makes sense. So um, 915 is important because he, so basically what Alex said he did <clears throat> is he said that he was taking a nap and then went to go visit his parents. Um, he said that he did not go down to the kennel with Paul and Maggie, which the kennel is where both Paul and Maggie were found murdered. Um, this piece of evidence is really important, though, because at 8.44, Paul had actually um, made a video where he was actually, you could hear Alex's voice. So, what was we, he making a video about? The dog they were show, he was showing one of the dogs at the kennel and showing the dog's tail for some reason. Mm. I actually saw the video. I didn't I didn't hear the sounds, but I saw the video and mm. you know he was just showing his dog's tail, kind of wagging his tail, petting the dog, things like that. So it was something about the dog, and I don't think Alec knew that he was making that video. Mm. And I think that honestly. Um, ended up being really important in this case based on listening to the jurors and what they, their thoughts were mm -hmm. because it kind of screws up Alex's entire timeline. Cause according to Alec, he wasn't there that whole time. He, mm -hmm. um, Alec left to go visit his parents according to him before that. Well, not before the video, but like, he was napping, and then he got up and left to go see his parents, according to Alec. He never went back down to the kennels. Mm -hmm. That video does place that he was down back at the kennels at 844. Mm -hmm. so, Which makes that timeline super tight. It does, yeah. Um, shortly, shortly after the, uh, the murders... Um, oh, I do, I do need to say this first here. So... This, to me, is really interesting, and we're going to get into more details later. But Paul was shot with a shotgun 
Um, the ballistics weren't able to, at least at the time, weren't able to, and I, I think still on the shotgun, weren't able to trace it down to a specific shotgun, like a specific model or anything like that. But it also said in the documentaries that that's hard to do with a shotgun. So mm. I'm, I'm guessing most of the ammunition and casings and stuff are pretty much the same. I don't, I'm not really that into that kind of stuff. So I don't know a ton about it. Uh, I know a little bit about it, but the what Maggie was shot with was a completely different gun. It was an AR-15, um, AR-15 style rifle that used um, Blackout 300 ammunition, is what it said, which is very specific. And also, the Maraz had a gun like that on their property, which was not there mm-hmm. when the police were coming and looking for. You know they. They live out in the country, so they got a bunch of different rifles, guns, things like that. They're hunters, all that. Um, so the the police, when they were going and looking through guns and stuff like that, they they looked for that particular gun and didn't find it. The shotgun was kind of a different story, I think, because it could have been any of the shotguns at mm-hmm. that point. So it's kind of hard to... It was kind of hard for them to get any evidence off of Paul's murder weapon. I wonder why he shot them with two different guns. That is, I'm going to get into that a little later, but that is one of my concerns too. Okay. Um, that is one of my concerns with this case too, because it seems very odd to me that yeah. they, because you, you think of one person, you're going to think of the same weapon, mm-hmm. right? And they're, right. they're not that far away from each other. Um, so I saw the body cam footage and they blur thing. I'm thankful they did this, but they blurred out the, the bodies of Maggie and Paul, but you could see where they were. Right. Uh It's not like, it's not like Maggie didn't, I mean, I guess there could have been time differences. Maggie could have been somewhere else and then she could have came closer to where Paul was trying to figure out what happened. Uh But I mean, I don't see any way that, that, and they think that Paul was murdered first. So I don't see any any way that Maggie didn't Wouldn't run away. Didn't I mean it's her son, so maybe she mm. was running to him, like yeah. oh no, I gotta try to save him. But then she was shot in the back, so it could have been that, you know, she was going to check on Paul, but then she realized the shooter was still there. But still, why would you switch guns? Like yeah. The two gun thing is weird to me. Um, cause you, Maybe he did that to make it seem like there was two shooters. I could. I mean, he's a he's a lawyer, so he knows that could be weird mm-hmm. in in terms of um, you know, because that's that was what the defense pushed for a lot in this case was two shooters, right? Because two different mm-hmm. guns, um, right? So that's and. On the case side of things, like I said, they never recovered that AR-15 style, that very specific weapon. They never recovered it. So they don't actually literally have the smoking gun in this mm-hmm. case. So usually that's a you know an easy conviction when you have the smoking gun. Right. But when you don't have the smoking gun, sometimes it's kind of hard to get a conviction. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where they go with that coming up here soon. Um, so shortly after all this, um, Alec actually got kicked out of his law firm because his law firm discovered that he had been 
taking money from his clients uh, and a lot of money at that. Um, Shortly after the murders. After the murders, yes. Um, and then basically, um, Sarah's going to do a deep dive on this, but one of the cases is the, is, um, and we'll get more into this as the case goes, but it, Gloria was the name of the housekeeper and she actually died on their property and mm-hmm. family got no money from it, but Alec did. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be another deep dive down the road. Look forward to that. But it's important to know that that's one of those that he was stealing money from mm-hmm. was Gloria's family. So that's one of the reasons he got kicked out was actually a different murder. Right? Crazy. <laughs> um, so, crazy enough, uh, a day later after he got kicked out of the law firm, he was, uh, he called 911 and said that he'd been shot on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And more on this from the summary side of things. Uh, I went over this in the summary there too. This is important to note because it kind of establishes his frame of mind. Um, so, Curtis Smith uh, did an interview on 48 Hours about this. Curtis Smith calls himself a handyman. Um, other people had called him Alex Drug Dealer. So, and I guess he's also a distant cousin of Alec. Yeah, right? Um, so, there's kind of two stories here, and this is a whole nother ongoing case. So, we we're probably going to hear more details about this later, but Curtis basically said, well, I was called by Alec to help him fix a flat tire. So that's why Curtis said he was out there. He came out there that Alex had a gun and told Curtis to shoot him. Right. So, uh, Alex later came out and said, yeah, I wanted him to do that for insurance money. Right. So one of the charges against him and both of them is insurance fraud or conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. Um, And he wanted to give his other son, Buster, the money from insurance. He claims that he was just in such a bad state after Paul and Maggie. um, Plus, he had been dealing with drug addiction. That that was his way out. Was he just going to do that and leave the money for Buster? Um, Or was he trying to make it look like someone attacked him? too Mm -hmm. so it made it look like oh i'm this innocent victim see and that netflix documentary kind of ties into that too because they think maybe he was trying to also make it look like this person who did this might have been the one who did it to paul and maggie right which was he trying to frame curtis curtis or was he thinking curtis you run and i'll just (laughs) (laughs) what a loser what a loser he so is. My, my only thought Ugh. with this is he's just trying to cause confusion. Right. Like he's trying to make this case as confusing as possible in order to make it harder to get convicted. Yeah. Uh, but he also says like he at the time was going through his issues with drugs. We'll get into that later. How much, how many drugs he was doing, but he may not have been in a good mental state at that point. Probably wasn't, especially if he did actually kill his wife and son. You can't be in a good mental state and do that. Right. So we're, we're talking about a person that we probably can't understand how their mind's working right now. 
even if he didn't do it, you imagine the amount of grief he's going through and the fact that he just lost his job, basically his family's lifetime work. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he didn't do it, he's going to be in a bad state of mind. Right. Um, so um, basically Curtis's version of events was that he showed up. Alex asked him to shoot him. Curtis said, no, Curtis was going to leave, but um, eventually got into an altercation, a physical altercation with Alec and tried to take the gun, tried to disarm him. I went into this in the summary, but um, just because I think it's relevant to this case here, Alec got shot in the back of the head, barely. It sounded kind of like it it grazed him. Mm -hmm. And they said the reason that happened, or at least according to Curtis, was because he was trying to wrestle the gun away from him and it went off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Curtis said he took the gun and he left. Does the evidence match that? So that's what's weird is this case does not necessarily include that case. Okay. So we don't know. We don't know until they actually go over Curtis and Alex's case. Alec is going to have so many cases that this is probably just we're probably going to keep like a slow trickle of, oh, this is what, this is what happened that time. Oh Lord. Cause I, he's also being sued. Um, actually, I don't, I don't remember if it's, I feel like he got named on the suit in, in as far as the boating accident too. Oh, I'm sure. So, um, as kind of a party that, you know, had negligence there. Mm-hmm. So there's just going to be, and I know Paul was, but Paul never stood trial cause he was murdered here. Mm-hmm. So, there's more to come out about each of these murders uh, or each of these incidents even. Okay. It's almost every incident has a new case tied to it. Like right. the financial side of things has a case tied to it. Mm-hmm. So Alec is going to spend more time in court than probably anywhere else for the next. And then in jail. Yeah. Right. Oh, hate him. I don't know. It, there, I don't see a world where he navigates all of this. And gets out free on all of these charges. Right. He'll be down for something. He's going to go to jail for something. It's just how long and can he get parole? Um, and he's like probably going to appeal this. Yes. So that's a whole nother. We'll, we'll get there, but. Uh, okay. Sorry. No, you're okay. You're good. I'm just saying. Keep we're, we're, <laughs> you're all right. We'll, we'll get there though. Because <sighs> um, that actually is in my notes too. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Um, all right. So. After the shooting, um, let's get down here. So July 14th, 2022, um, so about a year after the murders of Paul and Maggie, um, Alex was charged with murdering Maggie and Paul. Um, If convicted, he would face a life sentence. So it took a year, but you got to also keep in mind, you got to build a case against somebody. Mm -hmm. Um. They were interviewing all those people. They were going through the evidence. They were. Yeah. And you can't charge somebody. um, The whole double jeopardy thing, basically. Mm -hmm. You can't charge somebody with a weak case and then they just get off. And then it's like, well, we can't try them again. Yeah. So while it's terrible that if he is the one who did it, that he's been free for a year, Mm -hmm. you also want to really get actually get him if he did it. Right. So that's it's tough. But. Um, thankfully nothing else happened outside of the, the carjacking incident where nobody else got hurt. 
carjacking. You mean the car pulled over? Yeah, I said car okay. pull, carjacking. I meant I just uh, flat tire. Sure. No, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, yeah, flat tire incident, I yeah. should say. I was like, was there another incident? No. <laughs> Hopefully not. No. <laughs> he carjacked. It would not surprise me right. in this yeah, case. You're like, all right. Um, so this was interesting to me. The start of the case. So I'm onto my case notes now here. The start of the case, Alex, Alex's attorney thought there was just no grounds for this, really. And they pushed for a, um, the phrasing was like a speedy trial, but like a fast, a fast trial, which to me basically sounded like they're pushing for this to basically be dismissed because they didn't think the evidence against Alec was strong enough to even for this go to a full case. Wow. So I don't know if the defense was just that, confident or if the uh defense was like hey if we can get this as a speedy trial maybe like you got a better chance of it just getting dismissed and then we just don't you know go through any of this well if you think about all that the defense had they had the two gun theory right then you look at the prosecution you have all of that tech evidence that's Mm going to take a while to go through so if they're like we're stacked up Mm-hmm. On that side, we need to get this done fast, right? And not let, let them, them process process all that. Well, yeah, and also on top of that, um, at the time, Alec had his alibi, right? So he's yeah. like, "I have an alibi." There's a two gun theory. I'm good. Like I, I wasn't even there. Like this should just be open and shut. Just push through it and move on. Mm-hmm. And but, he probably would have got off on that. Yeah, if um, if the timeline wouldn't have been messed up again, to yeah, the the big key piece of evidence was Paul's video. Mm-hmm. Paul's video show at the dog kennels with Alex's voice placed him there, and I should have noted this earlier as part of the timeline. It was it's was said by the coroners, um, and it's important to note that they can't say like to the minute when somebody died, mm-hmm. but it was it was thought that they passed away at nine o'clock, um, that they were shot at about nine o'clock. So Paul's video at eight forty four, and then that it happened to them at nine o'clock. It's really tight window. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm fifteen minutes, you know, sixteen minutes. He could he could leave in that time, but the problem was he already said that he wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. So. He, changed, we, he had to change his story, which we're going to hear here soon. Right. Do we know what he was saying on that video? He was talking to one of the other dogs. Oh, okay. Um, so I it guess, wasn't anything like they weren't fighting. Or yeah, like it was. He, so I, I, I heard this from one of the jurors. He was talking to one of the other dogs and trying to get the dog to come here. Like he, he grabbed something or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it had like, I mean, it almost sounded like he had like, one of the dogs had some kind of an animal in his oh. mouth from what the juror was saying. He was like trying to get it from the dog. Okay. Um, so Weird. I, like what? I just don't, I don't get, I don't think he I'm going to let you talk because I don't get <laughs> I'm what, let you finish. <laughs> what all this happened, what happened here. Yeah. And so like, I mean, it was a pretty normal seeming video. Yeah. I just don't think, I mean, <clears throat> Alec didn't know that Paul was doing a video of his dog's tail. Right. right. Yeah. And so he, how was he supposed to know his voice was caught on something? Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem weird that things were 
seemingly perfectly normal at that point. Right. And then 15 minutes later. 15 minutes later, everything changed. Right. So um, we get into some motives here, but in my opinion, the motive was kind of weak. But we'll, we'll get there on those as well. So, um, so according, uh, that was another thing with the speedy trial as they said, what's the motive, right? They, they said he has no motive for doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I guess he didn't have insurance taken out on them. Um, so he wasn't going to benefit insurance wise. So his defense tried to be like, there's no motive. Like it's not, it's not a money thing. That's uh, with how they were painting it. They're like, it's not a money thing. He has no motive two-shooter theory like the the defense was trying to avoid this big trial but the judge said no right because my my thought was like maybe it was just them two like um alec and his son out at the dog pen and then like he shot him for Mm -hmm. some reason and then the mom yeah or or maybe like on purpose and then the mom came out because she heard the gunshots but then i'm like would she? Because it's well, like if they she, probably hear gunshots a lot out she'd there. She'd have to be close though, because um, so the kennels are a long way <clears throat> from the house, which is okay. it's going to be important to you later. Mm-hmm. Um, but the kennel, it's not like the kennels are right next to the house, right? So right. the mom had to be at the kennels too. So okay. like it's not she I couldn't have why come. They were all out there. I think just to, I mean you, you got just all those see. dogs just to feed them and take yeah. care of them and um. I don't know what Paul was looking at with the tail. I don't know if he thought like something, I don't know, like somehow the dog got hurt or I, I don't know what the deal was with that. Mm-hmm. I don't have hunting dogs, so I don't really, Yeah. I don't know that it's part. It's crazy that it all went awry so fast. It, it is. Yeah. In just such a short time, it just, it, everybody's life kind of changed. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, I've been kind of, Feel like I've been kind of talking over you, and you haven't gotten. Oh the chance no, to it's okay. I'm just baffled. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, the judge said no. Like I said, he he said we're going to a full trial. Um, so we get into some of the testimonies now, and Alec actually took the stand, and this is. So he was a lawyer. I'm sure he felt like I'm comfortable taking the stand. Mm-hmm. A lot of legal experts were advising against it at the time not saying his defense was but like you know people legal experts were going on other lawyers were going on tv saying i wouldn't put him on the stand i don't think that's a good idea Mm -hmm. um just because i think they said that basically there's less benefit to it than there would be harm Mm -hmm. um at that point in the case so a lot of them as the trial were going was saying don't put him up on the stand even if he's experienced but he did it anyways. And I don't know if that, I'm assuming that was his call. Like he was like, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have to be his call. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, the drug part of things, this was kind of mind blowing, but um, they were, it was asked if he was taking on, uh, if he was taking about 60 pills a day. And he said on average, yeah, probably about 60 pills a day. Some days more, some days less. So there's days where he was taking more than 60 pills a day. Uh, he was he was addicted, mm-hmm. pretty heavily addicted. Um, what was he addicted to? Um, I said pills, but... I think uh, I had it in my notes, um, but I'm trying to remember the exact name of 
this type of drug. Um, um, what's the, um, you might have to help me here because I'm spacing on it. The, it would be kind of the, um, oh, like the hydrocodone, like the, the ones that bring you down, like that's usually used for painkillers, things like, like oxy- that. Codone or yeah, whatever. like the oxycodone, oxycodone. I know nothing about all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know very little, but there's a name for it. I'm spacing on the name for it, but basically the the that class of drugs that are basically used in painkillers, things like that. Okay. Um, I'll remember it tonight when I'm sleeping, probably. <laughs> we will put it below. Oh, we can put it below. Yeah, I'm gonna end up making Sarah edit a lot on this. Apparently, that's okay. <laughs> um, so. Um, so he was very heavily addicted to medicines and painkillers, and that's going to be very important coming up here as well. Um, so he did actually admit on stand that he had been taking money from his clients. Okay. So he did actually say, yes, I was doing that. Yes, I was lying about it. Yes, it's bad, but it doesn't make me a murderer. Mm. So... I don't know if that evidence will be able to be used against him in the financial cases. Yeah, I don't know either. But he did admit to it while he was on stand. So at the bare minimum here, if you take if you take what we know to be true of Alec, that's not good of a human being. Right. <laughs> like he was taking money. We now know that for sure that he was taking money from clients, from vulnerable clients. Mm -hmm. No matter what, that's not great. Even if it turns out he didn't do this, he's still still not great. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, so he did admit that. I don't know if that'll be able to be used in the financial crime cases, but we'll find that out more. Um, the I had it in my notes here the amount of money that he. Gloria's attorneys were saying that he took based on an insurance policy and he had taken out a $4.3 million insurance policy on a commercial insurance policy on that farm before Gloria, like recently before Gloria died Hmm. and he collected that and the family didn't see any of it. Convenient. So when we're talking about financial crimes like that, we're not talking about like he's taken 20 bucks here and there. Like he's mm-hmm. taking big money from people who Need it. legitimately like they lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty bad what he was doing. Um, so this was interesting too. So there, they found on his clothing, they, there was forensic evidence of high velocity, uh, what they thought was high velocity blood splatters. Mm-hmm. Um, it was later determined that that was not, it was determined by the defense and one of their forensics experts that it was not human blood. So it kind of sounds like that part fell apart. The, uh, the part with the blood splatters mm-hmm. that, that basically fell apart. So one of the prosecution's big things was like, okay, we had, these blood splatters on his shirt. And then it turned out that's not what it was. They never identified what it was. It just said not human blood. Mm-hmm. So we well, are thinking of guns that um, are pretty far away from someone. One of them. Yes. 
the AR-15 was a distance kind of thing. The, the, um, shotgun though, and that's actually what one of the forensics experts on the, um, defense side of things said, he said, if somebody used a shotgun to kill Paul as close proximity as it was was from the crime scene. Okay. And it, this is very graphic, but it's it almost sounded like they made it a trigger warning. Yes. <laughs> um, they they almost made it sound like Paul's head basically exploded. Yeah, I mean a shotgun does damage. Right, and they're like it would have been that's a there would have been brain that's matter. That's a big uh, bullet, yeah. so it's going to cause a lot. When it more. spreads out, too. yes, um, and they there's skull there would have been skull fragments the the way the defense forensic expert painted it was that there's no way that you don't a get covered mm-hmm. and b that you don't even get damage from like the skull fragments the blowback yeah basically. um so that's what their defense was arguing was they're like it couldn't have been two people because like one person does that that it's going to take them time to even because they were trying to say like it would have been in his eyes and everything like the person was shooting. I think that's a little much. I, I think they. I think they're really stretching. I think they're it. reaching a lot. Yeah. Um, but they're he did. I mean, a lot. he could have gotten blood on him from that or from touching them. Interestingly enough, they also were um, based on the bullet trajectory. They were trying to say that the person who shot Paul based on the trajectory, would have been about five foot four. Mm-hmm. Well, the um, prosecution had a forensic expert that's like, how can you say five foot four? Like, Was he five foot four? No, he was actually tall. He was like six four. Oh. So it's like they're, they're trying, the defense was trying to say that he is, the person that shot is short and he's tall, right? So they're mm-hmm. trying to be like, he couldn't even, done, he's not even the right height. Right. Could Maggie have shot him? I mean, potentially. I don't know how tall Maggie was, but um, there's I don't know definitely why. no motive in there because the text, the text I going back and know. the text going back and forth between Maggie and Paul were friendly. So I mean, right? Like, I just yeah. want to know how all of this is possible. <laughs> right. I would love to know too. Um, but the the prosecution, their forensics expert, was like, "How can you tell? Like, you don't know if they were holding it at their hip." You don't know if they're mm-hmm. holding it up to their shoulder. You don't know. You, you don't even know how they're carrying the shotgun. So how are you going to say they're 5'4"? So mm-hmm. you, to kind of sum it up, you basically have the defense uh, disprove that there was blood on Alex's shirt, which was a big thing. But the prosecution basically said, you can't say that it wasn't Alex shooting based on his height. And you also can't prove that there wasn't one person using two different guns. So that to me, um, I said we get back to the two gun theory. This to me, the two gun theory is my reasonable doubt in the case. That we'll talk about at the end what we think. Right. But man, that's that's weird to me too. Why? Why would you use two guns? I mean, it just it doesn't make sense to me unless he just carried two because he was Did like he run out of bullets. I mean, he shot I mean, the boy three times. 
Yeah, it's possible. Maybe which, he had to pick up another so gun. So I was going to say the shot three times where it said it was in the chest, neck, things like that. I think I, I kind of wonder if that's not like spray from the one shot, but it did sound like he was probably shot at least at least twice and the shotguns you don't have a lot of ammo in them so mm-hmm. it's possible it is very possible and also when you talk about i know very little about guns but i do know this shotguns are very are usually very short range mm-hmm. but ar-15 style weapons are more they're a rifle so they're meant for a longer range right so maybe he was shooting paul and then maggie was at a distance and uh-huh. so he was like, well, I need a different gun. But why would he have two guns on him? That's what, unless he planned for it, that's, uh, or unless he was trying to maybe confuse people. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm struggling with the two gun theory. I'm almost having to try to make, make it fit, make it fit. Right. So I don't, that's the part that two gun theory is the part that actually gives me reasonable doubt. Like mm-hmm. I'm coming up with all these, I mean, is it possible? Yes. Likely. Not really, I guess, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's possible. Um, so the two gun theory gives me some, still to this day, gives me some doubt right. <laughs> in this case. Um, that one, that one might keep me up at night for a while. Um, so uh, make it make sense, right? <laughs> um, so uh, get back down here further on my notes. Um, and I think if Maggie shot her son, I think Alec would say it. I think he would try to use that as a oh he yeah she but, shot him so I had to shoot like he he's just that kind of and I think I say think that. yeah and I think uh, <laughs> I think they would have found some residue on Maggie like yeah. gun residue things like that that's true so I think maybe he was just like well, I can't claim that if she didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that does rule that out. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I just don't see any reason for, there are all kinds of reasons for Alec to kill Maggie, um, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, but um, I don't, I don't really know of any reasons for him to kill Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it was just the Paul hurting the family name or, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of motive on the Paul thing, and that's another reasonable doubt side of things. Because they say Paul was killed first. Right. So it was almost like, if anything, if only one was the target, it was like Paul is the target. Maybe he thought that um, he could use the the boating accident as the you know motive for somebody else having done it. And yeah. so that's why I don't know. It just they don't they don't click for me there. Something's off. Mm-hmm. Um, let's keep going. Let's keep, let's get further. So, um, here, here's where things get interesting. And I have a screenshot for you actually from the case, um, that, uh, for our Spotify listeners, I apologize. I will try to explain it, but for the YouTube listeners, I'll have you put this screenshot up, but it basically shows his GPS. As I mentioned, there's a ton of GPS evidence and where Maggie's phone was found. And shocker, Maggie's phone was found off of the property, but on Alex drive out of the property where he went uh, on his route to go visit his parents. Okay. Um, 
both phones basically stopped doing anything after like 8.50. So they, they literally had every time they unlocked the phone, every text message, everything they received, every time even the phone changed orientation from like vertical to horizontal. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they had like every detail about the phones. Okay. And they basically, both phones went inactive at about 8.50. So this is what I don't get. Um, he did go, like, they have proof that he went to visit his parents. Yes. Okay. Uh, GPS proof. At 9. At, like, 9.15, I think, is when they said. That's when he left. Okay. It was about 9.15. And they were shot at 9, so. Well, they, that's I mean, what they're saying, yes, is that they were shot at 9. Again, okay. that's probably got a little, could be 8.55, could be 9.05. It's probably got a little right. um, wiggle room there, but that's that's when they're claiming they were shot. And so, he, did he admit that he went later than what he said? That's where Paul's, uh, sorry, Alex's story changed was Paul's video, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, Alex's like, I can't say anymore that I was at the parents the whole time because video proves I'm not. Right. So Alex changed the whole story and claimed that, well, it was not in my right mind because of my drug addiction. Um, I was scared. I was scared that they were going to accuse me of this. He was, said that he was there. At the kennels, but went back up to the house to go see his parents and left at about 9.15, which is when the GPS shows that he actually left. Um, so he basically, he would have more than likely been there when it happened. Mm-hmm. And the house is far away from the kennels, but and there, I think their you still phone hear activity gun. stopped at 8.50. At 8.50, yeah. That makes me think that... that they were killed around 8.50. That's kind because of what I think. Because think about were... how much you're moving your phone. Right. How much, even if it's in your pocket, like mm-hmm. how much you're just... Steps. Using and... the flashlight to get back to the house. Like right. you would be doing something. I know. I agree. Um, yeah. And so that's, I'm, I really believe that based on that, and that's, they, the jurors came out and said that this phone evidence was the, was a huge part of the case. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much places him at least at the house. But he said, Alex said that he left his phone when he was down there with them at the kennels. He left his phone in the house. So Alex's phone was at the house the whole time. They couldn't okay. trace his phone location, calls, things like that, because it was sitting at the house. Did he take it when he left with his parents? Yes, but he... That whole time it was sitting in the house when the the murders would have allegedly happened. Right. Which he claims he took a golf cart back from the kennels to the house while Paul and Maggie were still alive. He went back to the house, got ready, left for to go see his parents. That's his new change story. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, based on the timeline, he would have been going back to, according to Alex now, he would have been going back to the house and getting ready. Meanwhile, Maggie and Paul are getting shot, mm-hmm. but he hadn't left yet. So we're saying somehow he didn't hear them get shot. And this is not like, when you look at the property, it's you know, like there are trees, but I didn't think there's a lot of trees between the kennel and the house. Mm-hmm. It's not like the gunshot would have been muffled. And it's a shotgun. They're loud. Yeah. So like, I don't see, and like you said, he is out in the country, so maybe there are other hunters around. Maybe you just thought it was, 
you could say that that maybe he thought it was well, a if hunting. there's an animal going after their animals maybe he thought oh that's yeah not like it. oh something's attacking our because yeah. i think they had some kind of livestock like chicken and stuff like that so maybe they thought maybe you thought something was attacking i mean we're trying to make something we're trying fit to make it work yeah again, but i mean there are outs there but it does he even know time being taken that much drugs right like how does he know oh yes i left at nine whatever but they said he is he was high functioning you know i mean he'd probably been on him for a long time right he'd been on him for a long time he had a huge tolerance of him and he had been able to be a lawyer while taking that many Mm -hmm. so like i mean mean, because like he didn't have his phone on him so he's uh, not checking the time right how does he know when he did all this stuff? Yeah, and the fact that he changed the story too is yeah. huge because he originally said he wasn't even there. Right. But then he changed it saying, well, I lied because I was afraid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We got, and we've also established that he wasn't a great person. So the whole lying thing is kind of <laughs> par for the course. Yeah, it kind of fits there a little bit. Yeah. Um, <sighs> uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, he, this was something that bothered me, and this is going to make you kind of go, hmm. Okay. So, they, the evidence that they were using in the timeline included cell phone calls, right? hmm Well, throughout the day, uh, Alec had been making a lot of cell phone calls, been getting a lot of cell phone calls, things like that. There were, they used polls off of the phones to pull, like, what activity had been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also were able to get the Verizon records. Okay. Um, shocker, Alex was missing a lot of calls on his phone. Okay. Well, Verizon had him. So Alex had... Deleted? Possibly deleted. I don't want to say for sure, but what else deletes calls off of your phone? He deleted them. So, and there was a ton of calls deleted off of his phone. From who? Well, it was kind of from everybody, like him calling a friend, um, like just to talk about general things. Why would he for delete him, them? Him calling Paul earlier in the day. Uh-huh. Uh, he called Maggie. He texted Maggie. A lot of that stuff was deleted, but pulled back from Verizon. It may kind of fit his position that, oh, I was paranoid. But, and he was, this is a funny thing too to me. Not funny. None of this is funny, but. um, Ironic, I guess. Ironic, yeah. He was literally, they show on the body cam footage, he was talking to a police officer, right? One of the police officers who got on the scene. And then when they were checking out the scene, you see him like walk away with the cell phone at his face, literally calling people. Like he had his, they did. They didn't just take his cell phone right away. Right. You literally saw him walk off in the distance with his cell phone. Mm-hmm. He could have been deleting him right then, for all we know. He could have been. Because it, I mean, he was definitely on his cell phone at when he called, like when the police arrived. He could have been calling his family, saying, "Come bail me out of and there, this." There were actual texts because that's on, what they did with the boat accident. Right, and there was actual text on there like saying, "Hey, I need you to get here. It's emergency." Yeah, like, and this was after. Um, this was after the nine one one. After all that, mm-hmm. so he was he was actually talking to people too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he very easily could have been 
I mean, if you watch the body cam footage, there was plenty of time where nobody was looking at him. Right. He had his phone. Yeah. He could have been deleting stuff. Yeah. Is, was it paranoia from, you know, the drugs and worrying about getting caught, caught with the cops and stuff? Possibly. Mm-hmm. But it's not, not a good about look. Your family, though. Yeah. It's not a good look. You're more worried about you than... And a lot of people who saw the body cam footage thought that he didn't act right. Mm-hmm. I, I take kind of... I don't like those takes. Right. I would be in shock. Yeah. And so, I mean, full transparency, right? Like, I I take medicine. I take Lexapro, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think I would be in shock, but I don't know what the Lexapro would do. I don't know if right. it would make me act weird, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know if having an antidepressant and then having a shocking event like that happen, I don't know what that would do to me. Right. So I really can't tell you what would happen with him being on 60 pills a day and then right. having something happen. Like, I just, I think people analyzing his behavior during that is kind of hard to do, especially when you factor in drugs are involved. Mm-hmm. You just don't know how, you don't know how, how somebody's going to react anyways, let right. alone with drugs in their system. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of bothered me i didn't i don't have a lot about the comments on this was just youtube comments on that body cam footage it's out there you guys can go watch it you know what if you want to but Mm -hmm. i i don't have a lot of comments on his body language because i don't like people going off of that and i think a lot of people have kind of called that a junk science too right where like it's body um um Body analysis. Body language analysis, yeah, yeah is like, is not fully fleshed out, fully proven yet. Right. Um, not saying it won't be someday, but I don't think it's there yet. Right. So, uh, another interesting part to this, and this, I, this was really a big piece of evidence, and a lot of it came from the same guy testifying um, from the... They call it SLED. I forgot what it was actually stood for. South Carolina. Legal enforcement. I don't know. Something like that. But it's part of an actual, part of the police department, part of the um, investigative team. That came up in my case, too. Um, Yeah, I can't remember exactly. But um, he he was the one who compiled all this. The whole timeline, the routes he drove, what speeds he was going, uh, all of that. He um, had said, based on phone records, that and this was insanely interesting to me. Um, within with calling nine one one, it placed him at the kennels, and calling nine one one twenty seconds after he got to the kennels. But he claimed on the nine one one call that he had already checked Paul and Maggie's pulse. Mm-hmm. So he called nine one one. And had just arrived at the kennels for 20 seconds and seemingly just got out of the car, ran, checked Paul and Maggie's pulse in those 20 seconds while he was calling 911. That's hard. And those, they weren't right next to each other. Right. They were two different places. Yeah. So how did he go check their pulses in 20 seconds? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, that's a lot. And also... When he called 911, he, so from the sounds of it, according to this, this How did he timeline, even know they were still down there? 
Um, so when he got home, he went to the house first. They weren't at the house. But you said he got out of the car and in 20 minutes. And 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Went down to the kennels. Found no, them so he, he, um, that's my bad on explaining. Oh, it's okay. So I, I can picture it in my head, but I'm having trouble getting it out. <laughs> right. But okay. he went, he got back from his parents, went to the house. Nobody was at the house. Drove to the kennels. Called 911 within 20 seconds of having got to the kennels. Gotcha. Claimed to have checked Paul and Maggie's pulse. Then went back to the house while, I guess, being on the phone with 911 saying he was going back to the house to get a gun, thinking maybe the killer's still there. Now, he didn't say that part, but I'm assuming that, that he, that's why he went back. Mm-hmm. But he, he went back while on the phone with 911 and then went back out to kennels. Okay. Before the police arrived. Was so he, he saying that he was doing all this? It sounded like he was. Okay. I didn't originally I didn't think he said that, but it's they they said on one of the testimonies I heard that he was saying he was going back to get get a gun because he and they did have they did have a gun on the body camera cam footage that they took from him. Mm-hmm. And it, it does kind of this one kind of makes sense to me. If you think somebody shot your family Right. And you think they could still be out there? You want to protect yourself too. Yeah. So I mean, I kind of get it, but it's still weird. It's mm-hmm. a little weird. I mean, I don't know. I see when they did the body cam footage, he didn't know they passed away, mm. which was weird because he mm-hmm. checked their pulse and stuff, right? Yeah. But he's sitting there going, "Are they dead?" And then they covered him up, and he's like, "Oh God, they're covering him up," mm-hmm. and it. I don't know. I mean, you're in a state of shock, so it's it's possible he just didn't want to believe it, things mm-hmm. like that. But it was a weird series of events there. The big piece of evidence was the the twenty second gap there. Yeah, that was kind of a um, a big sticking point for the prosecution that they held on to. Mm-hmm. Um. So, um, we already mentioned about their phones last being active. Um, so, uh, at eight fifty for the last time, that was this guy from sled that, um, covered all of that information. He was the one who pointed out that that was the last time they sent, they had read text the last time they had, you know, sent any text or viewed anything that they received on their phone was around eight fifty. Okay. Um, so he, uh, also said, and the defense objected to this, but it was overruled, basically. They said that uh, they pulled older text messages between Paul and Alec, and mm-hmm. the defense didn't think it was relevant to this case, but the prosecution did, and the judge allowed it. Um, but on May 6th, and so remember, this happened in June, I believe. So in May, about a month before, um, Paul had... Uh, texted Alex saying that Maggie um, had found drugs in his laptop bag. Okay. Um, they had found bags of drugs in his laptop bag, and there was Google search history from the computer that the defense also objected to, saying it wasn't relevant, of Maggie looking up the types of pills that were in his bag. That was like, mm. you know, what is this green pill that says... I think she said it was like P30. Like, what is this green pill that says P30 on it? Like, she was trying to figure out what the drugs were. Okay. Uh, and there was, they talked a lot about the fact that 
Alec, they knew he had an addiction and they wanted him to go to rehab. They wanted him to get help. Um, so a lot of that was, I think, to frame a motive mm-hmm. um, was to be like, Paul or Alec didn't like the fact that Paul and Maggie knew about his addiction and mm-hmm. kept giving him a hard time about finding pills and things like that. So that was, that's where the prosecution, that's their motive. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a little weak as far as a motive goes, but it, it, it could be a motive because I know yeah. that, you know, you try to take drugs from a drug addict. It, it doesn't, doesn't work. doesn't work. Right. <laughs> so um, it's possible. It's possible that that could be related, but mm-hmm. um, that was important because that's kind of where they're trying to establish the motive from that. Okay. Okay. So um, I had Alex's new timeline, but really we already kind of went over Alex's new timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that he basically said that he was taking, um, uh, that he was not taking the nap. They went and checked the animals and then went to his parents. Uh, like, so basically he was at the kennel with Paul and them. He admitted to being there during the video pretty much had to, um, Mm -hmm. but then had still left when the murder had happened, according Mm -hmm. to him. Right. Um, and then, um, so that was actually, that's actually the last of my notes of the case part here. Um, what I will, what we can do here is we'll do the verdict. Um, okay. A random comment here. You guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. I told you about this one already, so you already know. Um, OJ weighed in. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've been pretty reading my notes this whole time, so let's give you a little humor. OJ weighed in on a murder case. Uh, he said, in a, in a small video, he said, um, do I think that he probably did it? Yes. He said, I'm no expert, (laughs) but do I think he did it? Probably yes, but probably is still reasonable doubt. He has some nerve. (laughs) He really does. Come on, man. Like, just stay out of it. Just disappear. Just, just like, do something, do something different. Don't be talking about cases involving people's wives getting murdered like you <laughs> he's were no in, expert you were in you were in a case where your wife got murdered yeah you should never comment on other cases where someone's wife got murdered just don't like yeah. i'm sure he i'm sure he wants the attention i'm sure he wants the views but man come on yeah don't don't oj don't do it um <laughs> so that's your Humor for <laughs> one humorous part of this whole story. Um, Gosh. So the verdict: um, Alec Murdaugh was convicted and um, proven, or was um, I don't want to say that. he was convicted of murder and mm-hmm. sentenced to life in prison. So the jury, a lot of the jurors uh, have talked after this, and they have said that the big pieces of evidence were really Paul's Paul that that kept coming up with almost every juror Paul's cell phone video 
Mm-hmm. And Alec changing his story was the biggest reason reason they can convicted him. Um, excuse me. Um, there was also a lot of people that said Alex uh, throughout the case. They, they kind of said that it seemed like he was. There's a couple things like they there were people were bothered by him basically. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things that he just didn't remember with a whole lot of detail like. Um, well, what was the last thing that you said to Maggie before you left the kennels? So that would have been the last thing he said to Maggie ever. Right. I don't remember. I'd probably say something like, so he, he didn't remember his last words to Maggie mm-hmm. and people are sitting here going, but yet there's certain things that, and one of the jurors said like, he would remember things that I would not have remembered the next day. Right. Like, just little details that I wouldn't have remembered about my daily life the next day. But he also couldn't remember things that I would have remembered for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the jurors said that they didn't, that was concerning about him. A lot of it, too, was like his, it wasn't convincing. Again, like body language stuff, but it wasn't convincing that he was really, I guess he would kind of turn it on and off as far as being upset and then being, I'm the lawyer, you mm-hmm. know, like. Mm-hmm go back and forth. So, but all, almost all the jurors I've seen pointed to Paul's video as the biggest piece of evidence that changed the case. Right. Um, so, uh, before I ask for your thoughts, cause that's what I was getting ready to do. Alex, his attorneys are already appealing. Oh, I'm sure. So when you said that about appealing, I'm like, I haven't said he was convicted yet, but um, <laughs> they're already he's already convicted and appealing. Yeah. So we're not done with this case, I'm sure, for the next several years. There's going to be appeals. There's possibly going to be new cases, higher court cases where they go up to the next level. Mm-hmm. We are probably not done with it, especially when you think of the fact that he is an attorney. So you talk about some... You know, you talk about um, someone who goes to prison and researches their case, like right. a lot of prisoners do. Yeah. He's literally an attorney. He could represent himself in prison. Did he represent himself? He didn't. Okay. But he... Did he want to? I'm sure I don't, he did. I don't... Well, maybe, but I don't think he... I hadn't heard anything about him wanting to represent himself, but... I, he I, sounds like a Ted Bundy type of person. <laughs> I do think he wanted to take the stand. Yeah. The, uh, they did say even when he was being sentenced and he got to say his piece that um, he still claimed he was innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't really show any remorse because he's like, I'm innocent. Right. Um, and um, was basically kind of like, I was sad that it happened. I don't, when you said, when you mentioned Ted Bundy, I, I kind of think of, yeah, Ted Bundy was like wanting to represent himself and stuff like that. But I felt like Ted Bundy had kind of an ego in that way. Right. I think, I don't know if I would call this an ego that I think Alec had. I think he had an above the law kind of personality. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a lawyer, therefore you can't get me. Yeah. That was ego, but I don't think it was like ego as in look at what I did. Well, maybe he's like trying some to other serial killers did. Not that way because it's possible. I mean, he had not only law on his side, but he had money. He had that family. Mm-hmm. He gave him old money. Like, Right. I'm sure he's a cocky. I, I'm sure. Man. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> and you think of what lawyers do. They literally, they, 
they have so much time in the courtroom mm-hmm. that I'm sure that he can kind of control his emotions. Cause I was even listening to the prosecutor and when the prosecutor really wanted to drive home a point, like, so you're, you're telling me that Alex slowed down about the point where Maggie's cell phone was found the night, you know, the night after the murders, mm-hmm. you're telling me he slowed down there. <laughs> like the, you could hear the lawyer get like visibly louder, visibly audibly louder mm-hmm. and really trying to drive home certain points. And I'm like, that's what lawyers do. Right. Like what he is doing on the stand is what he did as an attorney. Mm-hmm. So he, he knows a lot of those tricks. Right. And that they use that against him too. They're like, he made cell phone calls on his trip between the, his parents, like when the murders had already happened, he made calls and they, they tried to say, well, he's making calls because he knows the legal system. Like he, he wants references of, mm. I was on the phone here at this time. So you, you right. can tell certain things he wanted references of almost and certain ones he didn't. Yeah. Um, so I really think he tried to messy up the crime scene. I feel like. Yeah. But, Which could be why the two gun theory happened. Right. Is him just trying to make it look like there was two people. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, um, somebody who has knowledge, well, way more knowledge than we do of the legal system, um, they probably know that a messy case is harder for somebody to get convicted on. Right. If, I mean, so <sighs> it makes me think he planned it out, though. Because a crime of, like, passion, a crime of in the moment mm-hmm. doesn't happen. You you plan things later. You try to cover up later. Mm-hmm. He was already thinking, I need to use two guns. I need to call people. I need to do this stuff. Well, and some of the legal experts say that his um, time that he, between when the phone stopped working, which was the 850, and when he left, which was, like, um, I think it was, I think I said 915. It might've actually been like more close to like nine, 906, 910, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So it might've been a little closer, but it was still enough time that he drove back to the house, got his phone and he could have cleaned up then. Mm-hmm. That's the, a lot of legal experts were saying that's probably what the prosecution was going to go after is he had time to literally go clean up after all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it may have been planned out that way. Like did he have... clean up before he went to go visit his parents, though? There's, there's no proof that he did clean up. It's just mm-hmm. kind of a theory, I okay. guess. But that was the time you were talking about? Was Yeah, between... that, that okay. kind of gap between the 8.50 and when he actually left. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't take much to just change your shirt. Well, I mean, they didn't find a shirt. So, I mean, maybe he disposed of it later, but... They found that one that didn't have human blood Stuff, on it, yeah. but like they, they never found clothes that, and that there was the one, um, defense, uh, forensics evidence person that was like, there's no way you wouldn't have just brain matter all over you. <clears throat> so they're talking about cleaning up. Like it's not an easy cleanup and hide situation that I you can do in that true, short yeah. of time. I don't know. I just feel like, man, make it make sense. There's just so many weird things in this case. So I, I think that's a good point for us to go to the, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you, if you're a juror, would you have convicted? 
That's a tough question. I'm <laughs> glad I'm not. I, I don't know. I don't know on this one. There's cases where I just don't know. I think they said it took them two and a half hours of deliberation before they yeah. came to it. So yeah, it, it was, was quick. It was pretty quick. They were expecting days. Yeah. It was a, a what did they say? It was a long case. It was just, it was several several days, several week case. Mm-hmm. And for them to decide that quick, a lot of people were surprised. But I think that his changing story, his being there on that audio was the nail in the coffin. That's that's what the jurors sounded like. For me, I I have I have reasonable doubt with the two gun thing. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't know if I would have. I don't know if I would have. I wouldn't have wanted him to go free though, because I, I mean I think it's more likely that he did it than that he didn't do it. Right. And there's really no other evidence that was shown that made me think somebody else did it. Right. So I I may have eventually, but I definitely would have been one of the undecided jurors for a long time because I would have been like, I still have reasonable doubt. Yeah. I, I still, right now, I still have reasonable doubt. Right. Um. I maybe the cops I mean the cops obviously thought that he did it. Yeah. After their investigation, after interviewing everyone. There was no other suspects that we know of. Yeah, I mean there was the original ones, but they mm-hmm. were seemed like they were lightly investigated, which I mean maybe it was just that eaten I mean, maybe they all had alibis too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a hard case. I probably would have found him guilty, though. I think that's where I eventually would have swayed, but it, it wouldn't have been in the two and a half hours. You would have had to no. work a lot harder to convince me. Yeah. It would take it a lot longer. Because um, you're right, that two-gun theory is just... It's just... It's, it's hard. Yeah, it's weird. It, it's um, And when they can't find it, which... Um, I had this in my notes. Um, I should have said it when we got there, but there was even a part... And one of the documentaries, I think, uh, it might have been the 48 Hours documentary, where the guy, one of these guys was like, yeah, um, I just happened to, you know, all this stuff was happening with the Murdoch's. I thought it was interesting, so I took my drone with a camera. (laughs) And he actually caught on his camera um, Buster and one of the other Murdoch's taking a gun out of the house. Oh, good. Yeah, and then they were later spotted in Vegas. And it was like a lot of people believed that they were selling things in Vegas Hmm. and potentially even selling a gun in Vegas. Maybe that was the gun. Right. Took it to Vegas and sold it. Now, who knows where that gun is if that was the murder weapon. Yeah. I did. I saw a lot of like um, online or on YouTube videos. I saw a lot of there going and partying in vegas a lot they're drinking a lot there was even phone recordings of him uh calling um back to the prison and talking alex and buster talking Mm -hmm. and he's like um literally alex was talking to buster and he's like yeah they're um making a big deal about me going to vegas and alex was kind of like what yeah really (laughs) and he's like they're trying to say i was you know out in Vegas, you know, selling stuff and say like, and 
Alec almost just seemed like offended, like, oh, you're just having a good time. Why? <laughs> well, your mom and your brother was killed and right. your dad's sitting in jail. Like, <laughs> it was like can uh, you simmer down? <laughs> yeah, he's almost like, just kind of like, why would you think that? How dare you guys? How dare you, media? Oh, my gosh. Um, it's, Yeah. And they're a weird family in that way. Like, they, it's almost, I don't know. Well, drugs and alcohol came up a lot. Yeah, it was. When you have the means, you buy right and those things. So that seemed like it. It doesn't seem like a Vegas trip was very like it. They didn't talk about them going to Vegas a lot, but it doesn't seem like that's weird for that family mm-hmm. to do something like that based on how the family was before. Right. So I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't include that because I felt like it was. Kind of, um, I don't know, like the video showed him carrying something that looked like a gun, but it was literally a drone doing like zooming in on this really grainy footage of what looked like it was probably a gun in a case of some kind. Uh, then people saying they were in, it was just, it, it, to me, it wasn't, it was kind of shaky. Yeah. And it was a lot of hearsay, like he said, she said. So I didn't want to. I want to go too far down that rabbit hole of stuff we don't know for sure. Right. Well, I will say people are definitely after Buster right now. They really? are. Yep. I don't know a ton about that. Um. So they are after him because of the Stephen Smith case. Oh. Um. They are wanting justice hard. And Which what I've heard about the Stephen Smith case, I'm ready. I'm looking forward to you doing that because it kind of makes me. Yeah, yeah. kind of makes me wonder if I should be wanting justice for him there too. Yeah. I mean, I do want justice for Stephen Smith either way, but it kind of want, makes me wonder if I should be looking at Buster. Well, I guess Buster called 911 here recently and said that uh, there was photos of him in his house and he felt violated um, by the media. And so he's suing the media because they took pictures of him in his house and he feels violated. Mm. There's just a lot of like... I don't know how to feel about that one because, <laughs> yes, that. They're after him. People are like, you're next. And he's feeling the heat. That's, I mean, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. Right. The media going and filming you or taking pictures of you in your house, that that's kind it's of messed good. up. not good, yeah. It is kind of messed up, but it's also kind of hard to defend what he or and his family may or may not have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think they should probably, my, my thought where I kind of end on that is they probably should leave him alone because yeah. I do think he deserves the privacy until he has his day in court. If he has his day in court of that. Yeah. And let the system work. Yeah. Let you the know, system, I know it doesn't always, but it's, it's hard to have faith in the system all the time, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only way you're going to get him though. Right. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to find by taking pictures of him in this house now? Nothing. Like you're, that, the Stephen Smith case was, what, like five or six years ago? Oh, so even more than that. So it was like 10 years ago. You're, I mean, it's not like they're going to capture evidence mm-hmm. taking pictures of him right. in his house. That's literally just paparazzi stuff. Yeah. Um, just wanting to get reactions. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that part, I think, yeah, back off of him, leave him alone, let him have an actual... He's the only one that hasn't. No, if you that's out there now. Now, if you're talking about like online sleuths and stuff, being like, "Well, hey, I found a picture of him 
at this place mm-hmm. at this time right. back then. Like, I don't, I don't have a problem with that because I feel like that's just people trying to investigate the case. Mm-hmm. But now that's just, you're not going to find anything by taking pictures of him in his house. Exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. you're not looking for evidence. You're just looking for content. <laughs> right. Will, is that all your info? All you wanted to say? That is that is all I had notes on. Um, I am sorry, guys. I I struggle with this format a little bit on my notes. I don't feel like, to be honest with you, I don't feel like this was this was my best of doing these. Um, hopefully, Sarah's editing makes me look good. <laughs> but uh, I think you did great. Um, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Um, let us know what you guys think of what happened that's what i'm curious of i want to know what you guys think is he guilty is he not guilty yeah all of that i want to know i would love for people to comment and say how they feel about that Mm -hmm. and say have a discussion Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously have a civil discussion keep it clean but like do you guys think that's you know two gun theory i wouldn't have convicted him or do you guys think oh well that cell phone video was damning like he's he did it. Yeah. Because I've seen it's very polarizing on the YouTube comments of other videos, too. Mm-hmm. People are people don't agree with each other in the comments, even. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see I'd love to see discussion mm-hmm. and just keep it clean. But discussion where you guys are just talking about points of the case. And maybe you guys think of something or saw something that we didn't. Right. Um, and if you have any more information that we don't. Yeah. Like maybe you. Because the. This case, like you said, was so long. And right. I was I sat there and I watched actual footage of the case that was full time. Mm-hmm. And one witness would be on the stand for over two hours. Like one of the videos I watched was like three hours. Right. And there that was one witness. There mm-hmm. were days and days and days of that. There's no way that I could have gotten through all the footage. So maybe you guys saw different parts of the footage that I didn't see. Right. And that would be awesome. Like, comment, let me know, point it mm-hmm. out to us. We'd love to talk about it. Yes. And while you're commenting, <laughs> go ahead and click like and subscribe and all the things. I'm promoting hard lately. I'm, I'm going to get make, those 200. <laughs> I'm going to make a big deal about this. And I, sh- I forgot to at the beginning. I should have at the beginning. <laughs> Our Twitter. <laughs> Got suspended. Both of ours, even my personal Twitter, who yeah. I don't even advertise, and her code one eighty seven got suspended. So, yep. from this point on, this is the podcast that Elon doesn't want you to hear. Yep. So, if nothing else, give us some likes and subscribes to just kind of say, "Sorry, Elon, we're still going to listen." F you, Twitter. I can't believe that happened. We weren't. We weren't doing it like we posting my videos she literally just posted her videos i would occasionally retweet her videos and both of our accounts got suspended yeah for what so (laughs) elon doesn't want you to hear this podcast make sure you show him what you think by liking subscribing (laughs) and listening to this podcast blow us up just as an update to him just, just to get our our word out that you're annoyed with elon She's kind of like you're I'm clipping this. You were kind of like uh, you were kind of like you know I just don't 
not that big of a deal to me. Like Twitter's not as much engagement or anything like that. And you don't use the platform that much. I did. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm sitting here going, well, I, I can't like do any personal stuff on there just because I was retweeting code 187. And I, I think I had in my bio that like, I, you know, like that was one of my links in my bio was that to the YouTube page. Cause I was like, well, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm on there too. So it's kind of cool to put that out there. Got my account suspended. It's been a week. <laughs> You're like, I have no idea what's happening in I, the world. I follow, <laughs> I follow like basketball and sports and like video games and stuff and have like six followers. Like what, <laughs> what am I, what am I doing that is really that bad to you, Elon? Like, <laughs> Am I that much of a threat to me and my six followers? A huge threat. And most of my followers, I'm pretty sure, are bots, too. So, like... I was one of them. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you followed my account out there. So, I have have you as a follower and then five bots. Well, now you don't. Well, now I don't. Now I don't have anybody. I'm all alone. Please subscribe. I'm just going through it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I lost my Twitter over this. Uh, He'll be back. I'll, I'll be back or create another one and just never mention Code 87 on it so I can actually use Twitter again. Yeah, under it, you should be like, I'm on that podcast that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, just, I, I guess I can't even promote that. Don't promote that you're on a podcast or anything. Just say I'm a person, not a bot. <laughs> don't Don't suspend my account. That's my bio. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) rant over. Rant over for now, but I will, I'm going to start using the phrase, this is the podcast Elon doesn't want you to hear. Yep. Because apparently it is. Yeah. But meanwhile, he can make stupid memes. All right. I'm. (laughs) We are going to stop there and we will see you guys next week. (laughs) Peace to everybody, but people who suspend my account. Bye. Peace to you too. Fine. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Love you guys. Oh, you are mad, mad. You big mad. <laughs> well, what did I do? I retweeted. I retweeted videos that you posted from Code One Eighty Seven. I <laughs> just make another account. Well, it says that like they're gonna suspend even other accounts that you make. So I don't know if they'll let me. <laughs> This is why I don't use Twitter. It kind of makes me not want to use Twitter, but I kind of liked it for a news feed. Right. Like I would get to see things like, oh, people posting a new video. That's cool. Hi, guys. I just wanted to say I hope you enjoyed this video. If you like any of the content for Code 187, please click that subscribe button, that like button, that share button. Help us out. Help us grow. Um, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, yeah, check us out on there. Give us some ratings. Um, tell us what you think. We're also across every social media on Code187. So we're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I think that's it. Um, and of course, YouTube. So please, please, please subscribe um, if you like our content and spread the word. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.